The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. How are you doing on your New Year's resolutions? Did you make a list of things you wanted to try or learn how to do something? Maybe things you need to give up or improve on? Well, last week I had suggested also that there would be a resolution for you to work on this year. And that is knowing Jesus better. Now you might wonder, why should we do that? Well, listen to the words that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. It was Paul's prayer that believers would know Jesus better. Now, when we look at New Year's resolutions, we realize that a lot of those resolutions really depend on our effort, our desire, our commitment to get it done. Paul, with these words, is reminding us that God will be the one to help us with this resolution of knowing God better. But we already know him, you might say. Well, the emphasis there is to know him better. Why? Well, take, for example, when you get a new car or a new computer. It's new, and you, and you explore the different things that it can do, and you enjoy those different things. But then after a while, because you've become accustomed to them, you kind of forget about them. They're not so important anymore, and you just take it for granted. Well, we don't want to take Jesus for granted. We want to know him better and to see just how wonderful life is with Jesus. That's what we can learn as we enter this season of epiphany, which means the revelation, the showing of God. We're going to learn all sorts of wonderful things about Jesus and, and see how that makes our life better. In fact, we can already see that from some men we call wise. They knew something about God, but they made an effort to know him better. We just heard about that in our gospel reading for today. And so let me put a question to you, reflective of what we heard. Would you do what they did? Would you ride, presumably, on the back of camels? We don't know for sure they did. For a thousand miles through the desert, to go see a baby? Well, knowing that this baby was Jesus, you'd probably say, sure I would. But let's learn from them why they did it. Matthew reported for us, when the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They were getting to know Jesus better in their worship of him. Well, what was it about their worship and, and what can we learn from it for ourselves so that we too know Jesus better? Well, we might wonder why did they come? Obviously, they were prompted by that spirit of wisdom and revelation. They said we had seen his star, but there was more to it than that. They recognized the person 
of Jesus. That is, who he was. They said they came because they heard the king of the Jews was born. Now that news was probably a bit upsetting to King Herod because he didn't want to lose his power or influence. You see, King Herod was not a Jew himself. He bought and married his way into that position. And so he was a bit paranoid about what might happen to him. And now hearing that one had been born king of the Jews, he was worried. But the wise men knew something else. They were coming because this was the promised Messiah. In fact, we can see that when they're coming and, and they bow down and worship him, they were also acknowledging that Jesus is God. They weren't coming just to do the you know, politically correct thing of, well, let's go and welcome this new person because he will one day be king. No, they were coming because they recognized already that he was God. Clearly, God's hand was already in motion here, even though it, it isn't stated quite so obvious. That star that they saw was a miraculous star. God put it there. God had revealed to them what that star was about, that the king of the Jews was born. And God had prompted them to make that journey then to go and to worship that baby because they recognized this is God. So clearly, we can see that God was behind all of this. And that, we could say, was verified by the workings of God, by the visions that they had. Now, we don't know a lot about these wise men, but apparently they were astronomers of some type. They studied the stars. And when they saw this star that was extraordinary, that wasn't normal, they searched out what was going on. But more than that, they also recognized that the voice of God was speaking to them. And not just through the star, but through the scriptures. You see, they probably came from an area that said from the east, it might have been the area of Babylon. And if you know your Bible history, you remember that the people of Israel were held captive in Babylon for many years. And even though they were allowed to return to Jerusalem, many of them stayed there. And so Babylon actually became a, a center of Jewish knowledge and education. And so these wise men were probably knowledgeable in the scriptures. And maybe they recalled this particular prophecy regarding the Messiah. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Now seeing this miraculous star and knowing the scriptures, the spirit of wisdom put the two together for them and they realized that this child that was born was the Messiah, the Son of God. Now again, we don't know all the details as to how that revelation was made to them. But what we do know is what they knew this child, the promised Savior. This child, 
is God. And that really is the key point. In answer to the question, why would they travel a thousand miles on the back of camels through a desert to worship a baby, it's because of who that baby is. And that really is the key point for us, too. You know, a lot of people might know the details of this story, that the wise men came and worshipped this child. But they may not know. They may not believe who that child is. And that piece of information is essential for eternal life. Many people will reject that today, but you and I, by the gift of God's spirit of revelation, the gift of faith, you and I believe that that child is our Savior and is God. We believe what the scriptures reveal to us. Let's not take that for granted. Let's rejoice in that. Let's thank God for that. And let's grow in knowing Jesus better. Part of knowing him better is also to realize what God's purpose is for him. Why did Jesus come? Well, when the wise men went to Herod to ask, where is the king of the Jews who was born? He asked his scribes, and they searched the scriptures, and they came up with the prophecy from Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That passage gives us the purpose for Jesus coming into this world to serve God's people as a shepherd king. Now, we know what a shepherd is and we know what a king is. Let's put those two things together. A shepherd was one who would take care of a flock of sheep, guiding them, leading them, feeding them, protecting them. A king is one who would rule over people, governing over all situations, providing again for the people, and also protecting them. And so it is that Jesus is our shepherd king. He guides our life. He leads us to the waters where we can feed on good food, not junk food. Not junk, spiritual junk food that says, here's what you can do to make your life better, and here's what you can do to be pleasing to God. Rather, Jesus gives us healthy nutritional food, which says, I have come to make you a child of God. I have come to bear your burdens. I have come to take your sin away. You see the difference? It's not what are you doing, but what God has done for you. That's how Jesus feeds us and protects us. Like a king would protect his people from enemies, so Jesus protects us from enemies too. I'm not just talking about different countries in this world. I'm talking about the biggest enemy we have, who's made us a slave to sin and to death, the devil. Jesus has come to protect us against his plots, against his attacks, and against his getting us to fall and fail in our keeping of God's law. How did 
Jesus do all that? By sacrificing himself. By giving up his life in order to give us eternal life. You know, sometimes we talk about leaders who maybe have sacrificed themselves for the sake of the people. In other words, they really have given themselves to benefit the people. Now we can think back over our political history or whatever it might be. And we can see leaders who have made big uh, sacrifices for the benefit of the people. But you know, it only takes a little bit of passage of time and the change of rulers, and all of that can be undone. And then we have the same old problems again. But now with Jesus. What Jesus has done is firm and forever. Jesus died to take away the sins of the world. Everyone's sins. Jesus died to take away all of our sins, not just those that I committed yesterday, but even those that I will commit tomorrow and for all of my life here. Jesus has taken them all away. And Jesus has provided for me what I need to be before God. A perfect righteousness, a perfect obedience to all of the laws of God. So I can stand before God unashamed. Yes, and Jesus has defeated that enemy, death. No matter how hard we try with modern medicine to prolong it or maybe to stop it, only Jesus can do that and has done it with his resurrection. He has smashed those chains of the grave and given us eternal life. That was Jesus' purpose. And so as we reflect on that, when we look at some of the difficulties and the challenges that we have in life, Really, they become very minute, don't they? With faith, we have no worries because we have a shepherd king who rules over all things for us and blesses us, leading us to everlasting life. That was God's plan for Jesus. But God also has a plan for us. It's clear that in this account of the wise men, the focus is on what those wise men were doing. It's the story of faith and the response of faith in worship. When we look to see what they did, we can see how worship really had three parts to it. First, there was the response of their heart. We're told when they had seen that star, they were filled with joy again. They had heard the scriptures. They knew now that a savior king was coming for them. And their heart is filled with joy. And that led them to do the next thing, to go to Jesus to worship him, to acknowledge who he was, to bow down before him, not to hold themselves up as good and presentable, but to bow down and just to seek his mercy and grace and then to present their gifts to him. What these men did was something that was prophesied in the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah, we're told, so he, that is the Messiah, will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. In other words, they're not gonna boast. 
For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. And then Isaiah continues. Later he writes, Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. It's passages like that that make it clear what the wise men did was fulfillment of the prophecy of God and his plan for us to worship the Savior. But we can look at the New Testament and see too that that is God's plan for us. When Paul writes that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And St. John, when he has the visions, the revelations of the believers in heaven, writes this. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And so we can see clearly that God's plan for us is to know Jesus with our heart, with faith, be filled with joy, and worship Him. And part of that worship, then, is also to worship Him with our gifts. Now, sometimes, Bible interpreters have kind of made a lot about the particular gifts that were brought to Jesus, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And they said the gold was given because that's the gift you give to a king. And the frankincense was given because incense was used in the worship of God, and so they were acknowledging that Jesus is God. And myrrh was an ointment used at the burial of somebody, and so they foresaw that Jesus would die as their sacrifice. Now, that may all be true, but we don't know that for sure. The scriptures don't say that. But what we do see is that rich gifts were given to worship this child. And so God's plan for us is that we take the gifts that he has given us and use them to worship God. So let's take a look at your list of New Year's resolutions again. Let's put on the top, getting to know Jesus better. It's clear that in this epiphany season, the message is on faith. Know who Jesus is, trust him, and respond with worship. You know, if you want to get something out of the Bible for your life, simply look at what's happening. What is God doing? What do the people do? God saw what the people did. He saw how they sinned against him. And he responded by sending a savior to bring us forgiveness and life. And the people responded with worship. Come to Jesus, worship him. Don't be like Herod who thought getting to know Jesus or that Jesus would be in his life could be an interruption of his lifestyle. He didn't want that. 
he wouldn't even make a four and a half mile trip to Bethlehem to check it out for himself. He told the wise men, you go and then come back and report to me. And we know that it was only an evil plot he had in mind. Is there something that keeps you from getting to know Jesus better? Do you perceive some kind of change that would happen in your life if you knew him better? Don't be a heretic. Be like the wise men. Go and learn and worship. And as you worship, serve him. Do you have any leftovers in your refrigerator? You know, after we have a nice meal and there's some food left, we don't want to throw it away, so we put it in the fridge and think, oh, now I can have it as another meal. Now, we all know that leftovers, while they may have started out as good, kind of lose some of their flavor after a day or two. And they're not quite as good as the first time they were served. But we'll maybe still use them because maybe we need to find something to eat in that fridge. But would you serve leftovers to a guest? Probably not. Would you serve leftovers to Jesus? What are you offering? What are your offerings like? Do you decide what to give to Jesus after you've paid the mortgage and the car payment, made your cable bills, cell phone bills, any of your other entertainment or whatever might be and whatever is left, then you have something from that to give to Jesus? Or do you take the encouragement of the scriptures and offer him the first fruits of your offerings? And what about your time? We all have busy, very packed lives. But do we make worshiping Jesus a priority? Do we make it part of our routine? Do we put it in our schedule and not just simply say, well, when I feel like it or if I have time, I'll do that. And what about our talents, the abilities that God has given us? Do we wait and just see, well, when I feel like it? Or do we recognize we have a talent and there's a call, a need that can, that talent can meet? Do we use it then? Be wise in how you worship Jesus. Present to him your gifts moved with a heart filled with joy over who he is and what he has come to do. So in other words, make a resolution now to know Jesus better in your worship and service of him. Amen.